What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the program the best lifter in the world right now. I say that with all the confidence in the world. We had Taylor Atwood on the program, and he gave me a terrific, terrific interview. It was a long time coming. Very happy that we got Atwood on the show because I had a lot of questions for him. Uh, a lifter I admire greatly. And it was just a great conversation with him. He recaps his performance at Raw Nationals, which is arguably the best powerlifting performance of all time. And he takes me inside and out. Uh, he gives a really good insight on that. And, you know, we discuss the meet itself. Also, just what his future is going to be within the sport. Uh, of course, I did ask about... The potential of moving up to 83, what he wants to do still at 74, really interesting conversation there. Uh, Asked some questions how he approaches his day-to-day training, uh, something that I was always very curious about, and also how he balances having his professional career along with his other life obligations with also being one of the best lifters of all time, really. And we go on to the easiest lifter rating of all time. Uh, that was pretty straightforward. But also, we get into some really good word associations, which, uh, it, you know, it's juicy, it's spicy, it's probably going to be something that a lot of Two White Lights listeners are going to enjoy from all perspectives, because he gives insight on great things. But also, you know, I know people on Two White Lights like to hear some spicy takes, so Taylor Atwood gave it. Of course, we compared hair. Uh, that, was a, that was a sizable conversation. He won't really back down on that one, but, you know, teach his own, I guess. But terrific conversation with Taylor Atwood. Hopefully I can have it on again sometime because this was awesome. It was a long time coming. But before we get into this long-awaited interview, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com, visit them on Instagram, give them a follow, and check out the best powerlifting merchandise you are going to see. They constantly come up with new, fresh, dope designs that constantly get better and better and it helps you look good in the gym on the platform outside the gym no matter what you're going to look good and leffler bros is a fantastic company because of all of that they have their dad hats their t-shirts their new socks they keep on coming out with new new designs and that's what you gotta love in powerlifting is someone a company that constantly tries to innovate and help out the sport and you know with the texas barbell syndicate coming up the Texas Pro Open or the Texas Summer Open, they are also helping out in that as well and have some really great merchandise lined up for that. And you are going to use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money on Leflar Bros merchandise. Go to leflarbros.com, use the best powerlifting discount code on the market right now, 2WL15. And also, you can get two white lights merchandise on leflarbros.com. So, you're going to fill your shopping cart with Leflar Bros merchandise and also some of the Two White Lights t-shirt designs are dead hat in that shopping cart as well. And you use that same exact promo code 2WL15. That is why it is the best discount code in powerlifting. Also, go to RivalNutrition.net and get yourself some Rival supplements. Informed Choice supplements are important and that's what Rival Nutrition has. The name might have changed, but they still got no banned substances in their pre-workout branched amino acids and protein powder. Use promo code ANTELO20 to save yourself some money off of Rival Nutrition supplements. Also, make sure you're on lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform, and the reason why is because it's the best. It is the best 
powerlifting equipment I have ever put on. I love the knee sleeves, the wrist wraps, the singlets, and a lot of people have been raving and raving about the singlets, wrist wraps, knee sleeves. Where do they got? People are really loving Stoic gear. Use promo code ANGELO10 to get yourself some money saved on some already affordable product with Stoic gear. Remember, that's lift.net. Also, make sure you are following Notorious Lift. Visit their website and use promo code ANG10, which could be ANG15 very soon. So if ANG10 doesn't work, try ANG15. You could probably possibly save some more money and get yourself some Notorious Lift slippers. We finally have a discount code. You're going to save yourself some money on the best looking and best performance footwear in powerlifting. No slip drip is a real thing. They have so many different colorways, so many different designs. You are going to look good deadlifting or bench pressing or just walking around. That's how good these things look and that's how good they are for you. So you are going to go to NotoriousLift.com, get yourself some slippers. Now, you're not going to have at all times the slipper that you want. They come out with so many different designs, so many different colorways. You're going to want to sign up for that newsletter and get ahead of those drops. And remember, if you are getting that drop, use that promo code AND10 or AND15. I'll probably post it on the page very soon to get the exact uh, discount code that we're going with. But remember, Notorious Lift, no slip drip is a real thing. Best deadlift slipper on the market. You are going to want to get the color that matches your platform attire or your gym attire, and you're going to find one, I guarantee it. Also, go to Spotify, go to Apple Podcasts, go wherever you can subscribe to this podcast so you have the inside track and updates on when we drop an episode. And when you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you're leading a five-star rating and a review. That helps Two White Lights so much. I am very appreciative for the people who've done that. Subscribe on all accounts so you can get the updates whenever we drop an episode. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. And as promised, I got with me making his long-awaited debut on two white lights, defending, reigning, national champion. I really don't even have time to list all your accolades at this point. We have we have arguably the greatest power lifter in the world right now, possibly of all time as well, Taylor Atwood. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure, man. I've wanted to get you on the show for so long. You're a lifter that I've said on two ways before. I try to emulate. I think every lifter should emulate. You you and Jonathan Keiko are my favorite lifters because of how you approach your training, how you execute everything so beautifully. So as a fan of the sport, this is big for me. Um, to kind of pick your brain a little bit and have a conversation about powerlifting. But I, so we can go through all your accolades, but you just did something on the, you did the unthinkable at Raw Nationals. You guys heard on two white lights enough. You guys seen it on social media enough. You totaled 838. People were expecting a huge performance from you, but I don't think 838 was in our wildest dreams. It was definitely within your, uh, within your dreams because you know, you're, you have the confidence in yourself, but we weren't thinking that. So 
as far as this accomplishment goes, for a guy who's done it all in the sport, where does this rank? Where does it rank on my scale? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, man, well, first, let me start off. The only reason I haven't been on Watch Two White Lights yet is because we haven't formally met. Okay. So typically, the way that I operate is I have to have a, 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 a at least a casual conversation with you, meet you in person, let me see how you are. <laughs> Um, and we did that at Raw Nationals. I appreciated that. So uh, here we are. Um, so I just want to. I like I like that it. approach, though. I like that approach of doing things. Um, I, yeah, because when you told me look, like when we we're getting piss uh, tested, I was you were like, okay. Now that I met you, I can come on two white lights. I was like, all right. So he does know that I want him on two white lights for a while. But yeah, that was a cool way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. I, that's it's just how I operate. Uh, it's how I do business, mm-hmm. um, and and not just business, but it's more or less just building that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we we got that out of the way, and, and no other way to do it than at a piss test. <laughs> <laughs> Best piss test ever, man. <laughs> it was it was one for the books that piss test. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, so, where does it rank in terms of? I guess my scale. So I would say, honestly, man, it was, I knew I was capable of it. Mm-hmm. That, that was it, like, you, you just have to have that confidence. Right. Um, but in terms of it actually happening and you realizing your strength on that day, that's where it, it kind of is up in the air. So where it ranks in terms of kind of, uh, I would say on my scale and where I've been already, it's, it's number one. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, to pull to, the one lift that actually surprised me was my deadlift. I knew I had, again, I knew I had it in me. Uh, it was three forty and a half, seven hundred fifty 750 pounds. Um, I pulled, I think it was three forty nine on pound plates in a Texas power bar in October after my October meet when I totaled eight twelve. Uh, so I knew the strength was there because I, when I pulled 320 at that meet, um, 700 and like six pounds or something, it was like, it, it flew. It absolutely flew. So I was like, all right. When I told my coach, uh, Jason from the strength guys, I want to go all out in this meet. And not that it's a top three goal of mine to have to be the best deadlifter, but I was like, I want to beat Eric. LaPointe. <laughs> I made that a, I, like Eric posted something on Instagram like, oh, we've uh, we've pretty much made the same progress in terms of total. Um, but I beat you in the in the deadlift and I'm not going to let you beat me this time. And I was like, dude, you have no idea what's about to come. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that is because uh, the, the, the old record was what, 7 uh, Yeah, 7 Oh, man. And that was by Eric. That yeah, was yeah. Eric. I, I, Eric Eric, uh, yeah, I think I, I think we we were anticipating that on two white lights as far as you potentially getting all three records at this meet because wait, and then really looking back at your seven oh five deadlift at uh, your previous meet in October, me and Steve are like, oh, that is that is second attempt, that is that is second attempt, it, yeah. and it was so clear, and you had all the energy levels there for it. There was no sticking points. Uh, all your lifts looked so smooth. But that one looks smooth and fast. You know, you can mm-hmm. always see a little slowing or at the lockout. But 
that one wasn't it. So we were like, eh, I think he's got the American record too. Um, Eric Lapointe looks good for 722 to 730, but that's within Taylor's wheelhouse. But again, I mean, I think I shared this story enough times on Two White Lights, but I haven't shared it with you. As you were pulling your American record, I was pulling my American record, and I just <laughs> see the entire crowd turn to the uh, turn to my right, <laughs> turn towards you. The strobe lights are going off. Everyone's going crazy. I didn't know that you just pulled the fucking weight that I had on the bar for the 83s. <laughs> so I was sitting there like I'm. I'm like I'm waiting. Because I'm not pulling while everyone's looking to the right. like, yeah. And also the strobe lights are going off in my face. <laughs> I ain't doing that shit. So I stopped. I Now I even told this LS yesterday on the podcast we did. If I would have known that you pulled 750, 750 I would have turned around myself and like applauded. Been like, <laughs> all right, everyone look over there. I'm like, this is, this is tough change compared to what he just did. I assumed it was like a 730 pull. I just naturally assume that because I I, I think you can uh, probably attest to this as well. When you're competing, I'm not focused on what's going on like in the other platform, how people Mm -hmm. are ranking with each other. Uh, I I was figuring you're having a great day. Someone told me you missed a bench. I'm like, all right, well, I also heard that Perk missed a few lifts as well. So it looks like he's got still a total that's going to be well above 812. I didn't believe that you had 838 until I got into the piss test room. I didn't believe it. I was like, wait, what the fuck? I think I, right when you walked into the room, I screamed at you, where where do you get off, sir? Totaling 838. <laughs> yes. What is your... And then, of course, you're like, man, I'm a little upset. I missed my bench. I would have kept Russ's total. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are you serious? And I didn't... So I didn't even know that it was in the possibility that I could have even out-totaled Russ, or even I i didn't even know I was even close to Russ. Mm-hmm. So when I'm going on to each of these podcasts or when I'm talking to anyone or they're DMing me, they're like, yo, you almost out-totaled Russ. And that's when it starts to sink in where it's like, damn, mm-hmm. it's a good total, but I could have out-totaled Russ. Like, and... Look, Russ is a dog. Like he, he, I, I have nothing but respect for the guy. He's doing things in the eighty-three that no, again, no one else is doing. Um, and I know he'll he'll come back and and put together like the meat that we all want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of that meat, like I had the opportunity to do it, and it just it didn't go through. But it is what it is. Uh, I'm not gonna harp on it because. Again, I was just on King of the Lifts last night or maybe two days ago, and we were talking about the bench, and I'm like, dude, let's put this into perspective really quick. <laughs> I was like, I just totaled 838 and a half, and we're talking about a missed bench. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's keep this where it needs to be. Uh, but again, like, yeah, we can harp on the 200. It, it moved really well. I think I heard you say, uh, or someone told me that you think that I try to time the bench. Do, do you? Because it seems no, like you have a no. perfect. And then you're, and then that's another thing that you're so fucking good at. Because when I look at your bench, I'm like, it's so perfectly timed. It's like the perfect pause. When I look at it, you perfectly get it through. And I think even at your October meet, a few people told me like, I think he jumped the press command on that. If you look at the video, and I was looking at it, I disagreed with them, but I'm like. 
it was close, but it seems like that's how he takes his bench press. So is it I, – I, actually, just walk me through it just as a competitor because that's yeah, that's what so it looked like. It, and I, and then how do you perfect that bench that well? Cause, yeah, it's definitely something that um, I have to work on in terms of in-training mm-hmm. where I think that I'm doing a 1,000 to 1,000 count, but I'm not. It's It's a lot quicker. So I still have that neuro uh, ad- adaptation kind of ingrained in me where when I get into competition, I'm waiting for the press command, but I can kind of understand once I have my first lift, second lift, kind of where it's going to be. Uh, but again, I'm still listening for the commands. Mm-hmm. So, But I just, I jumped it. I jumped it. Um it could have gone either way. I thought that it, it, like, I held it there long enough, and I heard the press, um, but they, they thought that I went too early. So I don't know. I I, I can't explain it any other way than um, I got excited and and I thought I heard the press command. Maybe I heard someone from the crowd. Uh, maybe from another platform. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I heard press and just didn't go my way. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a two red light lift. You got a white light from the center judge, correct? Yeah, which actually, like, blew my mind that the guy giving the command gave me a white light while the other two gave me. So it's a delayed, it might have been a delayed thing for uh-huh. them where they saw didn't see it. I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not going to harp on it. Um, I'm just going to come back stronger next time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't really want to discuss too much about a missed lift. I just really want to get your insight no, on that on that bench press itself because it's what it's something I look at at all your lifts. Because I mean, like squats, pretty uh, straightforward, right? It's a beautiful squat. Um, it's smooth. Whenever you post training, it's like every every rep looks the same. That's what lifters should try to do, right? And uh, that's what I try to do with my training. It's like let's when I'm doing a set of five, let's make every one of those reps good where we're not overextending. And I, I picked up a lot of that off you, just watching your training. But with your bench press, that's something that I think is so, the variables are so there from comp to, uh, from training to comp, because you don't know the length of pause you're going to get, the start command, you don't know any of those things. So I really try to look at what you do. And it's like just a perfect pause for me. It's like the perfect thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to competition. It's like he always seems to just nail it. Like, he doesn't sink. He doesn't try to do anything else with it. Um, so that's, like, just where my, my thoughts read on the uh, on the bench press. But let's, let's still go back to the competition. When did you know that you had it wrapped up? What's up? I didn't know I had it wrapped up. Okay. Not until the third deadlift. Okay. So is that how locked in you were? You weren't, like, Once, focusing yeah. on anyone else's lifts? It was just, you know, Matt was giving you the calls. You're going with it. And, um, yeah, because I, that's, that's another thing yeah. that I always try to, like, wonder. It's like, are you are you paying attention to the numbers at all? And didn't seem no. like you were. No, not at all. Um, that's what I hired Matt for. Okay. Or I have a handler. Um, <clears throat> I typically have Jason, who's my coach again, um, there to handle me. But he's actually based out of Calgary, Canada, mm-hmm. so he wasn't able to get uh, into the U.S. because he doesn't have his vaccine yet. Um, he just got it the week of the competition. So he wasn't able to get any flights. So I reached out to Matt Gary, who I had great 
uh, rapport with. We've gone to Worlds together. He's handled me at another Nationals a few times. So we've already had a great relationship. I trusted him to make sure that if, God forbid, we had to go like chip or go Mm -hmm. any type of scenario where Austin was potentially going to pull for the win, um, I wanted to make sure that Matt was in my corner because he knows understands all the rules and whatnot, and I, I didn't have to think about anything. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess that's one of the things that I'll, uh, I'll give to you, to the audience here, um, is definitely make sure that you have a handler with you that understands the rules, but also to, like knows enough about you as a lifter to where you don't have to worry about the competition. Yeah. Literally just worry about lifting. Mm-hmm. That's what it should be about. It should literally be nothing changed from training to the competition itself the only thing that changes is the venue yeah so when you go into training you should have the same mindset you should have the same uh what you ate what you drank for the day um there's a few things that changes there if you had to cut weight a little bit but in terms of like getting prepared for lifting nothing should change Mm -hmm. um those are the variables where a lot of people try to do something different because it's a meat day and they have, they think they have to overcompensate because they're not ready or uh, they think they have to do more because it is meat day. That's it's so far from the truth. Um, You have to just make sure you're more locked in, in Mm -hmm. terms of making sure that your mentality, you're ready to go, not letting anything distract you. Um, But again, the handler, that's where like I was so locked in, I didn't even care about what was happening with the other lifters. Uh, I didn't even look at the scoreboard. I just made sure that I was making my lifts because, again, when we made our strategy, we were like, dude, we're, we're going to beat the 83 world record total if we everything goes mm-hmm. how it's supposed to go. So we, we had nothing but um, confidence in, in what we were able to do, and all we had to do was go out and execute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about that strategy. So was there was that number in mind going into it? Because I think me and Ryan talked yesterday. It looked like the strength guys had that out, that graphic out quick, that eight thirty eight quick. Because I even had it on my phone as I was getting drug tested. So like that was the first time I looked at my phone. I see that. That's where I kind of caught news of it. So was was like eight thirty eight through eight forty five your goal range there um, going into the meet. So I will say Jason is a, a wizard when it comes to the graphics. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he had he had all the accolades lined up. He, he just had to enter a number, okay. PDF it, and then whatever picture. Um, I, I'd have to ask him, but <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, it was pretty close. I'd have to go back to see. I think they were all three A attempts that I hit. So. I don't know if we had 303 for squat. Maybe it was a little more. I can't remember. But the bench, yes, we were expecting 280 or 200. And then on deadlift, we were we were right in that range of 40. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean. So the 340 was just to keep our chip. Yeah. I mean, looking looking at your tra- – well, you really can't tell what's going on with your training because we try to do these these previews and all these – different things, and we knew that me and Steve were like 820 to 830 is definitely within the range, and that's huge, right? Like, 
we, we were, I mean, this time last year, or let's go 2019 Raw Nationals, the conversation is 800. That's what the conversation is. Like, who can break 874? Because that is a huge, huge total for a 74-kilo lifter. And you did it. You killed it. Um, what I talked about on Two White Lights, it was, um, I compared it to a nuke. Because everyone was going for the 800, then you just dropped a nuke in October, went 812. And then this one, I was like, well, not only did he nuke the competition, but he ended up firebombing like the entire competition <laughs> after that. Because it's so far above the, this goal number that all these 74s wanted to hit. It's like you you set the precedent and then you just push it so far. So I know you always try to train to your capabilities and compete to your capabilities, but did any of the social media stuff or any sort of that competition creep out because of what you saw other lifters doing? I know you're an intense competitor, so was that some added motivation for you going into this meet? Was was the competition more added? Yeah, based on what you saw on social media. Because, you know, uh, to our, we tried uh, our best yeah. to, you know, create a little bit of a storyline between you and Perk. And, you know, when you look at the total, 800, 812, it's close. I mean, it's about as close as you can get. Like, Russ and Noriega, pretty close on total. Ash, Bryce, pretty close on total. So it's not totally out of the realm of possibilities. Did you see that stuff and, like, all right, well, we're pushing it. We're pushing it far because do I want to win? I don't want anyone coming close to winning. Yeah, and, you know, that it's – I would say that uh, – Austin and Mike, they continue to push me um, to be the best that I can be because I, I do want to stay number one. Um, and it may be inevitable one day that one of those guys comes in and if they stay in the 74s, they come in and beat me. Uh, I, I'm not saying I'm invincible, but I'm going to damn well do everything in my power to make sure that I'm coming in 100% ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the social media stuff – that doesn't like motivate me. It's, it's more about like I posted the 300 deadlift and I said, you guys think you're close. You have no idea. Uh, and then Austin posts his 290 squat and I'm like, you're really not that close. <laughs> and, and no disrespect again to Austin at all. Uh, I love the kid, but um, I, I just, it, it was telling to see, like, the, it didn't look easy. Like, if it, if the 290 flew like the 300 flew, I, I would have been like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's going to be a battle. Uh, but it didn't move well at all. So I was like, I'm good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I just, I, so I, I got some, some news. Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, uh, but I'm going to put it on blast here. All right. uh, I think he's working with Joe. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stanek. Yeah, so we just had our coach-client confidential. Joe Stanek is my coach as well. So he announced oh, cool. uh, He announced on the previous episode of Two White Lights. Uh, actually, oh. yeah, so he announced on a previous episode that uh, Austin will be working with um, with uh, Joe, you know, after cool. after college, yeah, I believe. That's good um, because I think that Austin needed a coach, and uh, or at least a better coach. I don't know who his coach is now. Yeah, and I like Joe as a coach. He's done a, he's done a great job with some of the other lifters, um, with you especially. So I'm excited to see what Austin has. Uh, it'll be again another wild card going into the next meet when whenever we compete against each other. 
so I'm, I'm excited again, everything just keeps leveling up. And like, when you think about 800 as a total, like everyone was putting emphasis on 800 just because it's never been done. But for me, I was looking past the 800 because I should have hit 800 in 2019. Yeah. Um, at nationals, but I came in a little injured that that's all water under the bridge, but coming into 2020, I could have done a lot more in -hmm. terms of that 812 and we didn't sandbag necessarily, but we hit numbers. We knew we could have done more, but we at least wanted to set a precedent that, Hey, this is where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. So coming into nationals, we had about six, nine months of training. However, a lot of people don't know this. Um, we were kind of dicking around for the first six months. <laughs> so after October until about March, I, I, I didn't train hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I wasn't training, but I was just not training like for progress. It was more like just stagnant. And we put together a great, it was hard, <laughs> but a great 12 weeks of, uh, training leading into the meet. So a lot of people don't know that. Um, but it was a great 12 week, uh, block and everything pretty much went to plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you bought up 2019. So after that raw nationals that were, you talked, you spoke on the, uh, the post he made that you guys think you're close, but you're not. I think in 2019, People thought they were close. I was one of those people who were like, you know what? We got a young crop of lifters in 74s. Um, every lifter has to slow down at a point. Maybe this is Atwood's point where he's slowing down, and you have all these other dudes who are making an insane progress. Because uh, the 74s during that 2019-2020 was arguably the most stacked division. I would put them in the 105s as the most stacked as far as the competition goes. But... Did you take that, what you seen after that? Because I think this was kind of diet trash talk in 2021 between all the 74s. After 2019, people were thinking like, hey, I could take at what spot. You had Perk coming up. You had C. You had Pug in there too, who was probably making the most noise. Now, did you internalize all that? And like, all right, well, next time I compete, I'm going to show all these guys how far I am ahead of them. Yeah, of course. It was, uh, and I still, like, I know Austin says, like, he he thinks he's underrated. And what I think he's meaning to say is people need to stop underestimating him because he thinks that he can beat me. Mm -hmm. So, and and I get it. And that's that's a competitor's mentality, and you should have that. Like, anyone that's coming up and trying to get to the top, like, that was me. I, I was talking about beating Jesse Norris's uh, fucking total for IPF and Wilkes, <laughs> IPF points in Wilkes for like four years now. Yeah. So then finally we did it at this past meet. So it, it's like you have to have that mentality. Um, and it, it keeps me motivated again. Like I know that he's strong. I know when he can put together a good meet, he'll probably total something insane as well. Um, but again, like I know my capabilities, I trust my team to make sure that we're putting the right numbers on the bar. And we found a formula in training, uh, that I think some people just 
are again underestimating. Mm -hmm. So I think that with the training itself, uh, if we can stay healthy, which we have, you guys see the progress that's we're able to make. So, and that's 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 going to be key. Mm-hmm. Is if we can continue to stay healthy, um, we'll continue to make progress. Yeah. So, so I know absolutely. I I completely agree with you on that one. But the funny thing is, me and Candido talked about this. I think either, I think it was on our episode. But when we looked at your numbers from you know what you did at seventy four at twenty nineteen Raw Nationals, it was it it was kind of funny to look at it because you were still far ahead of all of them. So did you see the, you know, what they were saying, but uh, uh, take a step back and be like, where are the, like, I'm still far ahead of you guys. Like no matter what, because I think, uh, I think Candido like made this point where he, to, to me, he's like, I think you're closer to Russ than Pug is to Atwood. <laughs> and he's like, and you're like not even close to us. <laughs> he's like, you're 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 like you're a top ten lifter. You're on the that was when I was kind of on the outer edge of top ten. He's like, and the yeah. total that you guys have is like as close to one another. So did you have to like even block that stuff out? Like, okay, I don't know what the hell is going on here because I'm far ahead. Now I was thinking, if you slow down, that's the only way they can take it because they're talking about eight hundred and your best total was seven ninety, right? Yeah. So you're only 10 kilos yes. away from like you just have but I'm like you just have to hope that he just slows down for about a year because if he slows down for a year that's the only chance you have in taking it from him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing that got me so upset after the 812 and when Austin totaled 800. Like and, and most people were recognizing it but they were still giving Austin like they still had the door a little cracked for for him to beat me because he hit 800 and I was only 12 kilos ahead of him. And I was like, dude, I, I had like a, an RPE seven meet. <laughs> uh, besides bench, bench was RPE 10, um, but squat and dead. Like I, I, and even you guys were underestimating me, I think. Uh, Cause some people were tagging me in the posts that you guys were posting. Um, that you were you were thinking I would hit like eight twenty to eight twenty five, and I'm like, yeah, we have to be relatively conservative with like if we October. go if we but if we go <laughs> like you're gonna go eight thirty five like what like that's yeah. this is crazy right like if we're like well but that was gonna total eight thirty five at this meet and if we say that people are like what the fuck are you talking about that's the old and, like, it's just as crazy to say you're going to total 825. <laughs> just think about it in the realm of the records go. 790 was the old world record. Now right. it's 838. So saying that you're going to total 825 to us, we're like, that's incredible. That's insanity. We have to give <laughs> – we have to be a little bit conservative with our predictions. But <laughs> if we said – if we said you were going to total 838, people are like, you guys are fucking high. <laughs> What are you doing at two white lights? To saying he's going to total something eight thirty eight. Don't don't pretend like everyone was in disbelief watching you deadlift. <laughs> we were we were underestimating you technically, but shit, we like you can't blame us for thinking you weren't going to total eight forty. Jesus, man, it's give fair. us a break. I will. I will. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. But. No, it's true. It's true because even uh, even my coach Jason. We, again, we were strategizing. 
uh, maybe a week before we were putting our numbers together. <laughs> he was looking at the numbers like, guys, are, are we sure this is what we want to go with? <laughs> He's like, we have it locked up at 833 and a half. He's like, let's just lock it up. You have the best. You're going to be the best power lifter ever. Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't want to undershoot myself. Like, I've done that in every meet. And I was like, I'm tired of uh, leaving kilos on the platform where it was like an RPE 7 to 8 lift for my third attempt i was like i'm not doing that this time mm-hmm. and it was still around i would say like i i likened my third attempt the 340 and a half to hitting the sweet spot when you're golfing i don't know if you've ever golfed or even baseball yeah when you just know the ball is out of the park yeah uh, you hit you hit it it's it's fucking gone that's how the third deadlift felt yeah is it it like didn't waver um, my hands, I, like I had, I had, I'd done a lot of grip work, um, that I don't show on Instagram. Um, oh, wait, wait, hold on. You don't show that stuff on Instagram. Oh, of course. <laughs> Everyone's like, why are you using strap? Well, it's nuts. It's nuts. Like even the bench, like someone, I had some people trolling me yesterday on my bench. Like, I'm like, Oh my God. So you're never going to satisfy everyone on Instagram or social media. Yeah. So it's just, fuck it. It is what it is. But no, I, I do. I did a lot of grip work. I didn't like the weight didn't waver at all in my hands. Um, it, it, it was just perfect. So like, I was just so ready. It was, yeah. I was so ready. Um, <clears throat> and that's the best way I can explain it. Uh, but I, I was super, super confident in my deadlift. Yeah, uh, I like we were expecting. I mean, I think even on, but on two by lights, we were saying I think because um, people were talking. I mean, still people did crack the door open for Perk when we made the post. We saw the repost. Of course, I look at the repost, see what the fans are saying. You know what the fans' opinions are, and me and Steve were kind of like, okay, Perk. We acknowledge he's a fantastic young lifter. I think he can make improvements upon the eight hundred kilo total, but. We are expecting an unprecedented performance from Taylor Atwood. And if that happens, Perk will not win with a 9-for-9 nine nine day. Like, mm. And then we, it's like if Perk went, or if Perk, like, uh, we're like, okay, if Taylor Atwood goes 7-for-9 or 6-for-9, then Steve was like, when has Taylor Atwood ever gone 6-for-9? <laughs> like, it just doesn't happen. They, like, they're smart enough, and he's a seasoned enough competitor where they just won't put themselves in position for it. So, you know, we were kind of just on this thing, like, you know, if, if Perk totals over 800, of course that is a fantastic total to have, but I can't see you totaling something less than 825, which I don't think that was in Perk's uh, wheelhouse that day. Um, and that's gonna, I think it's going to be a, a, a year or so until he's in that range of 820 through 825, because that's still a ridiculous total. Like the progression that we've seen from 2019 to 2021 with every lifter, not just in the, not just within your weight class, but through the 83s as well has been insane. But that's still, even with the progression, that's a, that's a hard total to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I hit on this again on the King Lewis podcast. Like there's no other weight class uh, that's making the progress that the 74s are. And I'm I'm going to, I don't know about that. Who's who's making the seventy fours? There was a dip in raw nationals. Oh, I mean, like so. 
Oh, that Raw Nationals. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Look at historics. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. Historical. Yeah. Not not just... I'm saying with nationals. this... Well, actually, let me ask you about this, because this is an interesting development that's going on, I think, within your future of as a competitor and just really within the sport. So you have the 74s right now. Perk is going to be there. Perk is a perfect size for 74. He has the numbers. He has the, the youth for it. So he's going to be there for a while. Michael C. Uh, looks like he's moving up to 83. Oh, he is moving. Yeah. So I believe that was a conversation that was had. Um, not confirmed. I don't want to say it right now. But the conversation has yeah. been going on for a little bit now uh, about Michael C. moving up. Ricky Cho, again, I think he's moving up to 83 as well. I think he put on a, the uh, his Instagram post that he's moving up. So... Yeah, and that's, I think that's the best move for him uh, because that weight cut really, really took an effect on him. So I think 83 is a good weight class for him. So now you take two of the top five guys away. You have Eric LaPointe still. You have some lifters who weren't at Raw Nationals coming through. But now the 74s is a little bit different. Now it's not as stacked as it once was because you removed those two lifters. For you as a competitor, how are you viewing it? Because I know you you thrive on the competition aspect of it, but... It's it's not the same competition that it once was. Then it might turn into a situation like Amanda Lawrence, where Amanda Lawrence is winning best overall lifter on six lifts, uh, winning her weight class by 100 kilos, and I feel like there's no one really to push her. Like she had Daniela to push her for such a long time, and mm-hmm. that's I'm t- like that is such a good motivator. But you might not have that within the 74s, so you have to look elsewhere. How how are you like approaching that future as far as the uh, competition goes? Well, so if if Michael is moving up to eighty three, um, good for him because I know he's he's struggled a bit with the weight cut as well, mm-hmm. and just being injured all the time. That had I, I think there's a correlation with trying to drop weight and trying to maintain like because he's he's huge. I don't oh, yeah. think people understand like I'm five six, he's five six as well. But when you put us together, like his upper body, he is sculpted like a great he's, the, guy. he's probably the most jacked 74. Yeah. I say that with confidence. So, he is jacked. No, he is. He is, for sure. Um, like he's got that perfect V taper mm-hmm. in his upper body. Um, he could step on stage after a platform yep. powerlifting meet. Uh, so it, it makes sense for him to move to 83. Uh, but I didn't. I, I didn't know he, it was going to be this year, but good for him. In terms of Austin, uh, I, again, it's going to be years. And no, I'm not going to say years. He's made some insane progress too. And him working with Joe, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe he does just absolutely blow up. Um, so I don't know. It, it's going to continue to to push me regardless. Uh, but I don't know what I'm going to do if I if I want to move up to 83, because um, I walk around at 166, 167 anyway. Yeah. Like I woke up 164 pounds this morning, and that's unintentional. Like yeah, I, I, the gym time. So after we had raw nationals on a Thursday, came back that Monday, I hit the bench press at 215, mm-hmm. and then I had school that whole week, so I didn't get to the gym that whole week. Then I came back to the gym on Monday, that following Monday, which is I think this this past Monday, and then I haven't lift, and then I lifted again on Wednesday yesterday. So 
Like I've only lifted three times since nationals. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like where I think Austin is going to be, I don't know. And, and again, like 166, 167, I could walk around, do that. I just proved to a lot of people and myself, including like I'm including myself in there that I can hang with you guys in the series. Yeah. Um, because not I didn't hang, wanna, not I hang, didn't. not hang, beat. <laughs> <laughs> hang, hang is not the right, right word. Like Delaney Wallace, he had himself a fantastic meet at you know eighty three. Got himself second, and you beat him by over ten kilos. Like you know, you 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 won't hang with us if you come to eighty three. It's like okay, well, we're all dropping one place aside from Russ, and really, that's a competition. Um, it, it, it I've is. Thought about it, I've thought about it honestly, and. It's something that I'll continue to to think about. Like, as competitors, that that's what we want. It's, yeah. it, we want to compete against the best. And um, I really thought Michael was going to be the guy. And then he just got riddled with injury. And then here's Austin. He regressed. I didn't think that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So... I thought that was a little bit with, with with Austin. I think that's a little bit of youth. You know what I mean? Because he takes collegiate nationals, does a single ply meet. That's a quick turnaround. So after he did that collegiate nationals, where he misses, a, I forgot what he was trying to squat that day. Something nutty. It's well over seven hundred. Yeah. So like yeah. I, I that that take, that takes your toll on things, and I think that's the that's the uh, you know that's that's the vigor in the youth. Sometimes and it's you live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing. So if you do it, it's insanity. But then if you don't do it, it has an effect on you, right? Like yeah. missing lists in competition, then going back to back on competitions like that, it, it has an effect. So I think I almost I, I didn't want to say on two white lights, but I was kind of feeling maybe some sort of regression from collegiate nationals to that nationals because, dude, I I know he's younger than me, but you can't out you just can't out youth or out age time to recover you can't do it like i don't you you just can't do it there's there's no one in the sport really who can go you know back to back in succession like that it's just so difficult to do yeah i I, and that's why i only live twice a year like some i've done an arnold twice and that was it but typically i just do nationals and worlds Mm -hmm. um but i'm hoping that the arnold comes back next year and we are uh potentially able to do that oh yeah we should we should be good to go in uh march i think it was announced oh it was yeah this is so forgive me i'm not like up to date with everything going on within the powerlifting i kind of have to be but yeah (laughs) um like you know attending the national (laughs) board meetings and all that stuff and talking like yeah i kind of have it's good for two white lights but yeah uh the arnold is happening in march uh, I know with it's kind of all up in the air with like you know the IPF kind of stuff and that's the biggest question mark going forward. But you know baseball stadiums are at full capacity, so yeah, we're we're good to go, man. We're good to go all for right, those Arnold. Right. I'm actually really excited. I mean, I did. So. I just got my first shot for the vaccine yesterday or two days ago. Yeah, felt fine. Nice. Um, I have to do it for school, otherwise I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping that everything goes back to normal next year and we're able to actually have a calendar year where all the events happen yeah. how they're supposed to. So, but, but in discussions with the 83s, like I understand that you, I, I mean, it, it's no, it's no mystery. It's not, you're not a huge 74. 
You're not this guy who makes a big weight cut like Michael C. or, uh, or Pug. So it's it's a difficult – I think it's – people, I think on the outside looking in, think it's an easy change. Like, of course, go to 83, beat Russ, do all these things. But as a competitor, it's just a little bit more difficult because it's like, okay, but I, I really have a solid meet progress here in 74s. Why should I leave? And to me, I'm just thinking about it just at, at your perspective. It's just I think I think the the motivation of being pushed by someone else and the the, the lanes that gets you to that point is so great where that's the only possibility I see you moving up to eighty three. Is just you can't get pushed at seventy four anymore, where you just need to be pushed at eighty three. Yeah, again I <sighs> Since no one has been close to me in the 74s, relatively speaking, like what I've really focused on is, again, Jesse Norris's uh, IPF good lift points mm-hmm. and Wilkes. Um, I didn't I didn't know that I hit 600 Wilkes. That's like the first time a tested uh, lifter has ever done that. Yep. Um, I, I like that wasn't on my radar at all. But what was on my radar was Jesse. Yeah. And. Again, being the best, Ashton, uh, he was trash talking me a little bit, saying that he'll see me for best overall lifter. I was like, okay, motherfucker. Well, I also, I mean, if you're talking about underestimating, I definitely picked Ashton Rouska in that March Madness bracket. (laughs) So uh, I was a deciding factor, too, because the fans had Ashton. Actually, I mean, if you want to get motivation, the fans had Ashton Rouska winning on best overall lifter. Uh, as they should have, and, and as I piece. and I did too. So that was two to one. Steve Novi was like, "No, I think you're crazy. I think Atwood is going to have that again." A funny thing because he was predicting you at eight twenty five to eight thirty, and <laughs> he was saying that's going to win best overall male lifter, which he would have been right. He would have been right <laughs> still, but I like to exceed expectations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you did. And I mean, you can use that as motivation as well. But like, I, I, I do see I do see a scenario where the 83s would be a solid move. Because I mean, I told Russ when he came on the podcast, which uh, that episode would probably drop before this one, like, because mm-hmm. he, he I mean, again, the, the respect uh, is mutual between you two. Like, he's calling you the goat. Um, you obviously have a great respect for him. But he's like, you know what? He's now he's making me try to step up my game because there are 83s coming up for Russ uh, who are building some solid momentum. But he's like, well, also, you know, I got to put together a total that that respect that you know that <laughs> g- g- brings a little bit more uh, prestige and respect to the 83s because everyone's talking about this Taylor Atwood being number two <laughs> and uh, having the old all-time world record. And I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, I'm like, I'm rooting for you because I'm in the 83s, and now it's like. We gotta, we gotta get some, we gotta get some respect back here. We kind of starting to look bad. It's like remember, like the way you pulled seven fifty was this huge, huge number for us for a, a, a long time ago. Like two thousand sixteen is when you you broke that deadlift record. I broke yeah. it in twenty nine or twenty twenty, and that was a long time. And now you did it at seventy four. It's like, and that's 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 a number that eighty threes are still trying to chase. That's like a really good milestone as far as a deadlift goes. So you already have that in your back pocket as far as uh, competing. Like you could put put yourself in a pull for the win scenario. I mean, I'm the biggest deadlifter at eighty three. I'm only twelve pounds ahead of you on that one. 
So, like, you know, the, you, you could have yourself in a pull for the win scenario, too, at 83. It's not it's not the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's just, uh, I think it's still di- it's a difficult change to make, in my opinion. Like, just, and it also, I, I, like you said, we never had a formal conversation. This is just me uh, forming my own opinion based on how yeah. you carry yourself as a competitor. That's the only, like, that's the only, like, thought I have is just, it's difficult to move a weight class when you're dominant in one. Yeah, um, I, I haven't given it a lot of thought in terms of how hard it would be to move weight class because personally, I thought, like, the thought that I did give it was it would take me at least a year to get where Russ is. Um, but here we are <laughs> coming yeah. out of the national meet where I could have had a chance to, to beat him. So, And, of course, he probably would have put something else like been more strategic with his attempts um, to out total me, but who knows? Like, well, if I, mean, I move up to yeah, but when you look at his performance that day, though, right, I'm a little more strategic. Maybe he throw he throws in more on a squat potentially, or where I think that's where he right. has it. But on his deadlift, you know that it's not like he sandbag his deadlift. He missed seven thirty eight, right? Yeah, so that's fair. it's that's fair. It, it it's not it's not so much where where you miss your bench on more of a technicality. He missed it. Angela, are you trying to get me to go up to 83? It's possibly possibly the worst move. It's possibly the worst move on my part, too, because I finally just got a medal. I finally just broke into the podium. Now it's like, okay, now take a fucking hike, Angela. You're out of the top three because, you know, you have have them there. But, I mean, I I think it would be great for the sport. Also, as far as – I don't know. You know, we could discuss this in a little bit here, but your legacy goes – I think breaking down those walls, breaking down barriers. Last time I checked, there hasn't been, you know, a champion at two weight classes mm-hmm. on the men's side. I think Ashton Rowska has that claim, but you know, like that's that's one thing to have simultaneously holding that, like coming from seventy fours, annihilating that, being the eighty three champion too. Like, I mean, there's a lot of. There, I mean, you've accomplished so much in your powerlifting career, but there's still some walls to break down. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But again, I'm not I'm not gonna uh put hold myself and and say I'm going into the eighty threes or even attempting to go into the eighty threes because I don't I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh I really just wanted to after this nationals relish in the moment because this is years in the making, right? Um and I like when I say years in the making I lost in 2016 Worlds uh, due to technicality. I lost the year after that, 2017. I got my ass handed to me by Kel Backlund in 74s. Uh, then I came back the next year. I won in Calgary, uh, but it was mainly def- by default because Kel was hurt. Um, and then I came back in Sweden in 2019, and that's when I fucking solidified, like, I am mm-hmm. the best 74. Like, Kel was hurt. He came back. Um, but he was still hurt, but nonetheless, like, I still didn't think he had enough in the tank to beat me that day anyway. So that's when I was like, all right, we got to take this thing to the next level now. Uh, and that's when Austin started, like I, he had a great, I think, world meet as a junior. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pulled, he pulled, uh, I don't even know. He pulled like almost 700, 310 or yeah, something. Yeah, it was, it was close. It was close, yeah, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this?" 
And that's when I, that, like he put, that's, that meat put him on the radar for me. Um, and I was like, this kid's got some talent. Like he's strong, man. Um, so like, again, I don't, I don't know. Like this is, I just really wanted to make sure that I focused on the win at hand because again, years in the making of me losing, coming back, winning, um, but then, like, we talked about this in, again in 2017. Like, I want to be the best powerlifter tested ever. I want to mm-hmm. be Jesse Norris. And that's what we've been after. So once we accomplish that, it's like, I just want to focus on that and, and really just relish in it right now um, and and make sure that I soak it in because I don't want this moment, like, down the road. Like, God forbid anything happens, I get injured. Uh, someone does beat me and I just, I yeah. left it. I've left the moment too quickly. Um, Cause I really don't. Every time I win or do something, it's always on to the next. Yeah. That's just how I operate. It's like, all right, we got this coming up uh, and I want to focus on this. But now like after doing what I did, like unprecedented total, let me just enjoy this moment for a second yeah well i mean right this is uh this is kind of this is kind of the uh the fun and the agony of being part of sports media right because i mean i inadvertently threw myself into sports media uh because Mm -hmm. like powerlifting doesn't have that but as a competitor myself like i have to find just I, i i would have to ask these questions to you but this is something that drives me crazy when I look at sports media, like in every sport. So if like as soon as someone does something really, really incredible in any sport, they're always compared to someone, <laughs> right? They, like they, they yeah. seriously, they get like at least from man, they're probably living their best lives and don't give a shit what the pundits say or sports reporters or journalists or fans say. But I always use the example of LeBron James. So LeBron James wins a championship. Then two days later, you have someone on TV going like, all right, so what if he goes to this team? Do you think he could win with this roster? Do you think he – it's like, I don't know if he's that great. It's like, he just won. He just won. You guys are immediately – like, like, well, Jordan did this, even though I'm a big Jordan fan, you know, being from Chicago. I always – I'm like, yeah, let's talk about Jordan a little bit here. But still, it's ridiculous. When someone does something great, they're always compared to someone else in sports. And that that moment of enjoying things or appreciating it is so little in – I think – I don't know if this is a new trend in just sports in general, but that's what it is. So – like your explanation there is totally understandable. You got other things to focus on. It's not like you've been doing this since 2015 and just taking world championships and national titles away from everyone. You had to get through some struggles in 2016, uh, 2017. You had to wait till 2019 to solidify yourself as quote unquote the world's best. And now you're building unprecedented totals, but still, like competitors are still there. Your goals are still there. You still have IPF worlds coming up. Right, that I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's that's where you want to continue to build upon that total and continue to grab yourself another IPF World Championship. So, it's it's understandable. It almost like pains me to be part of that media that has to ask you those questions, but it, it's just on the it's on the back of everyone's minds at times. 
Yeah, and, and, and it's fair. Uh, at least to ask the questions. Um, but again, like from my perspective as the athlete, I just want to relish in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's actually kind of get get uh, past this. I think you provided some really excellent insight there. This is something just out of my curiosity because this is something that I I really am curious about, but also I value a lot, and I want to get your perspective on it. So take take this just scenario. You're prepping for Raw Nationals. You're going into a week of training. How do you approach your training sessions? What is your idea of what you want to accomplish at that specific training session? That's a good question. I don't I don't necessarily approach every training session with, with an end goal in mind. It's more or less um, I have a certain weight that we're, that's prescribed, and I use a velocity tracker. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that I'm either staying uh, within the certain range that I'm supposed to be in from a velocity standpoint or beating it. Okay. So that's my that's my end goal in every session because my coach, his philosophy is you have to show me that you're going to be ready on meet day for whatever it is that you think you're at. Mm-hmm. So when I'm able to objectively show that I'm moving the weight e like the same with my fatigue levels higher or faster um, at the same fatigue levels. That's where I'm like, okay, objectively we can talk about I'm getting stronger. I know that I'm getting stronger. The weight is moving faster or right in the range where it's supposed to be. And this is how I'm feeling. So that's kind of like, I guess you could say I approach each session with that in mind that I have to go in and prove that I'm stronger, mm-hmm. that I am as strong as I uh, need to be and what we're projecting to be. Mm-hmm. All right, nice. And then so how do you also then just carrying upon that, just balance everything? Because I think you're in a position where powerlifting isn't your only thing. You know, mm-hmm. you have yourself a job that requires a lot of attention, and mm-hmm. focus and time. So it's, it, it is your training altered because of that is, you know, there, does the goal change for you as far as training sessions go? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, there's some sessions. So this, the, this last prep, I was training some days, three to four hours in the gym, mm-hmm. uh, because that's just how much volume we had. <clears throat> yeah. But I also have a full-time job. <laughs> uh, I go to school as well. Uh, and I also have a personal life where yeah. I have to attend to uh, other duties. So in terms of, like, I'm not just focused on powerlifting. However, I have to make it up somewhere because we all only have 24 hours in a day. So typically it's sleep, so it sometimes lacks. But in terms of, like, what I have to give up, that that's it is I have to get everything done within 24 hours. And the thing that I kind of have to give up is sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some days where I have to, let's say I'm busy at work. I'm not able to get to the gym. I have to have back to back sessions now. So I'm doing everything in my power to make sure that I'm recovered for the next session. So I'm drinking my water, making sure I'm getting my protein intake. Um, somewhat resting before I have to go and hit a big lift 
Um, but it, yeah, that it's it's really really tough to juggle some things uh, leading into a meet and making sure that I, I like we have a schedule. Um, I train one day, rest, train again, rest, train, train. Uh, I train around four, four days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I do my best to make sure that I am hitting those four days and at least within that seven day time period. So if I have to go three days in a row, then I will. If I have to rest two days and then hit it again, then I will. So I make it work. Again, it's not perfect. Um, and it, it does come down to a science. But at the same time, we're just making sure that we're hitting uh, the threshold, the threshold that we need to um, for that week. Yeah, I think that's some valuable information for the audience because I've been when you start interviewing a lot of people, uh, those questions do arise, and it's funny how people don't think it's possible. Like at a point, they talk about young lifters a lot too. They're like, you know, as soon as young lifters have to get a you know full time job and start paying bills, they won't be able to keep this up. Like, hey, you can problem solve and be able to be a good world class lifter. And like what you just described is that like you had to figure out so many different things in order for what works for you. Because let's face it, like most of us don't have powerlifting as our living. So that's just a message to all the people listening to Two White Lights. Taylor Atwood is the best lifter in the world. He has a full-time job. He has a professional career. He has a social life. And he works around that. Like, it's definitely now, possible, everyone. It is possible. However, there is a lot of sacrifice in that because my social life is almost non-existent. Like, okay. I'm, and... and it's young for the the young powerlifter. I would say within like your twenty to twenty seven, twenty eight. I'm thirty two now. Um, I do really well at my job. Uh, I have a, a good position. Um, I'm able to. I, I, I'm lucky that I have a flexible enough workday to where I could potentially say, "Hey, I'm going to go train, and then I'll be back online later." Um, but call me or text me whenever you need. So I have a very flexible, like IBM is very good from that perspective, the work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of school, uh, I'm, again, I I have to study. I want to make sure I get good grades. I want to make sure I'm actually retaining the the information. So I I study quite a bit uh, for the week as well. And then on the weekends, I have class on all day Saturday. So from Monday to Saturday, I'm full go. Like it's either work, training, or school, and that's it. Okay. And then I have Sunday to actually rest and just not think about anything other than let's get ready for the work week or whatever it is. So I don't recommend doing it. However, it is doable. Um, And I will say it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of time management and making sure your priorities are in order uh, because you have to dedicate yourself um, to whatever it is that you want, making sure that you have that end goal in mind, but also making sure that there's other things not taking precedent that don't necessarily coincide with your end goal. Yeah, yeah, it definitely sounds like it takes a lot of uh, discipline there and focus to do it. But uh, yeah, I think that's um, 
that kind of separate at times that separates the contenders from the pretenders, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to make that sacrifice, which is okay if like if, if powerlifting doesn't fall within that uh, within those goals that you have, that's totally fine. Like then powerlifting lags behind. But if that's your goal to be one of the best powerlifters, like the sacrifice is needed in order to be that mm-hmm. successful. Yeah. All right. Well, it is lifter rating time, and I don't even know if we could even fucking do it, right? Like, it's just the easiest lifter rating of all time. So yes. you you play you played Madden. Have you played uh, you played Madden before, right? And NBA Two K oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So like, I grew up on Madden. Yeah. So you have an idea as far as one to ninety nine and powerlifting. Our skill attributes are really just uh, are really just uh, squat, bench, and deadlift, and then total and. Yeah, like yeah, you have the all-time world records for all three of them. So, <laughs> I, I I'm not gonna even ask you uh, to like to rate it nine one to ninety nine. It's ninety nine on all of them. You're making I would history. Say bench. <laughs> I would say bench. Uh, I would rate myself ninety eight because uh, Daikamo Daikumo. Oh yeah, the, uh, yeah. the Japanese. I think he hit two fifteen on bench. Yeah. He's uh, um, he's like the ultimate bench specialist. Yeah, and it was actually bullshit how he even got that because he 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 benched more than he squatted and deadlifted. It was yeah, that's like it's some of those. So some of those things, some of those lifts are valued higher or lower based on how the lifter approaches it. Like if someone takes a deadlift world record and they sandbag the shit out of their squat and bench, be like, what the fuck? I, yeah. This guy's the best deadlifter of all time. Like we have to do, we have to do this right now. Or same thing with all the other lifts. But it happens. Uh, I mean, I could put you in ninety eight in order for you to just work on something. I know you need some motivation, man. I'll just put well, you there. I, I, I would say yeah. I, so I don't I don't hold the world record there, but I do for squat and deadlift in the total. So all right. Well, okay. So you know what. I'm still going to put it, even with a 98 bench, you are a 99 overall lifter. You are in uncharted territories. I mean, if you played a Madden video game, like, no one was 99 rated. Like, you would I'm have... The, to... I was the, I'm the Mike Vick in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like... Did you ever play 2007? That's 2004. Uh, Madden? That's 2004. Was it 04? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was... Two, so, 2000... Actually, we did a whole uh, Two White Lights, like, topic on this, like... Who is the Michael... You were bought up a lot, but who would be the Michael Vick? We actually said Jesse Norris was, because comparing it to Michael Vick in 2004, Jesse Norris had that super short prime, and so did Michael Vick. Like, Michael Vick, from the times of 2004 to 2008, he was the guy that was just like, you know, the dogfighting thing, but also he couldn't keep up with the insane athleticism that he had. Right. Like, it was just hard for him to play quarterback like that, so... Yeah, I mean, you are essentially. We said we we phrase it in cheat code, like who is a powerlifting <laughs> cheat code. You were bought up a lot. We still had to put. Uh, I think Jesse Norris and John Hack were like the best like comparisons we've had. But I mean, hey, you you've got the title as our only nine. If if USAPL creates a video game, which that's their first order of business. That's what they should do. They should create USAPL twenty twenty two next year. Uh, you're the cover athlete, and you will be the first two white lights rated 99 athlete. 
I don't know if I want to make the cover because that could be the start of the curse. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Hey, I mean, I mean, I I don't even know if it's both of our interests to put Russ on the cover because I'm like, okay, if that's a curse, then you know maybe I can just kind of <laughs> sneak in behind the back door there and get myself a medal there. So I don't know. Maybe 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 because if I control it, I will pick and choose the lifter that I want to curse. Be careful, everyone. <laughs> Your fate resides with Angela. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the only that's the power I'm gonna have over people. Is <laughs> is that kind of stuff. But you know what? I'm gonna try to talk to uh some of our sponsors. I wanna send you a shirt of ninety nine overall lifter from two white lights. <laughs> I actually do wanna get that made. So because you are the first person to do that. We try to like with the March Madness thing, we sent some shirts out to the winners who won the voting, you know, so I wanna make maybe get that made. I gotta talk to some of our sponsors in order to do that. But yeah, actually, you know what? Let's throw in another rating. Uh, hair. The people have spoken, Angela. Have they spoken? I feel like oh, people have, have spoken, spoken on my end. I, I think that's more on like your side. It's, it's a bit <laughs> jaded um, and biased. Towards I, I me? Have the, I have the people's vote. I have the people's vote. Well, we might have to put that to another vote as far as hair goes. But knowing you, if I say I have the best hair in powerlifting, you're going to roll into nationals looking like... Uh, like, oh, you don't think I could grow that long homeless guy hair out? I could do that too, Angelo. Then that's what we see at next nationals. You roll in looking like uh, Fabio. Maybe. <laughs> just, just to have that one too, because you know we gotta find ways to be better at you somehow. And I pick the hair as my thing. Like, okay, okay. Taylor Atwood is Fair the enough. best in all lifts. I'm gonna try to take one thing from him. I think my hair is better than his. Now. Is this going to be motivation for you going forward to grow your hair out to very wild, frizzy hair? Maybe. Who knows? I don't think. Is that the next step you're talking months. about? I'm, I'm, I'm not growing the Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So you can I, keep it. All right. Awesome. I just, I just made you concede on victory based on. Well, you, I didn't say you're you not wanting to. Hair. You, you can keep the Fabio. I'm not doing the Fabio. I still have better hair. <laughs> well, uh, well, here's the thing. May, all right, so maybe my thing next nationals just have the same exact hair as you. Cut it and just try to do the same exact hairstyle and just walk by you the entire time. Be you're like, you're not going to beat me at my own game. <laughs> <laughs> she can't imitate me. Like I'm Taylor Atwood, dude. <laughs> Oh shit! All right, all right. Well, considering I can't talk shit about you about your lifts, this is actually good uh, to to uh, to get you back and forth on you about hair. But I think I, I actually honestly think I can. This hairstyle has a lot of versatility, so I could cut it, I could braid it, I could put it in the cornrows. Who knows what I could do with this hair? I could do really whatever the fuck I want with it. I could do a mullet if I want. I could perm it up. Who knows? You do, my friend. You do. However. Uh possibilities are endless but i still got you yeah it doesn't move i do have to give you that it doesn't move i would i would ask you for your hair routine but honestly i don't i i just don't want to i just don't want to do that it's not an interesting conversation for me i'm sorry i like i love talking to you about powerlifting i love talking about being a competitor i i'm not going to talk to you about hair man you know what's funny though uh i guess we are talking about hair for a little bit here people message me or like on those little Q and A's on Instagram that you get, like, what do you do for your hair? I'm like, I wake Nothing. up <laughs> and then I shower. They're like, well, what kind of product do you use? I'm like, head and shoulders because I have dry scalp. 
<laughs> like I don't do anything to it, guys. I just like I, it's it's hair. Like I don't. There's no there's no maintaining this. It just actually it's laziness. I don't feel like cutting my hair. It's the only reason why it's long. It's not a statement. I just don't want to cut it. Yeah, and I people think I spend like twenty to thirty minutes on mine. I spend like maybe to make sure it's dry and actually you can put product in it. Maybe like ten minutes. It's a luxury about being a guy. Yeah, like we can have great hair and do nothing to it. Nothing. Just nothing. <laughs> Just fucking Although I makeup. have seen some people that use like blow dryers, they're doing like yeah. brushes and shit. I'm but like, my girlfriend, my girlfriend said it to me once, like, "Oh, can you do this hairstyle?" I'm like, "Yeah," and have it once my entire life. <laughs> like I'm gonna walk I'm around. That much time. I'm gonna fall asleep and then fucking it's gone. <laughs> Why would I do that? Why? No, too much time. We're not doing that. I'm like, if we're going out, I'm either putting it in a ponytail or we're leaving it down. That's all we're doing tonight. Right and. Yeah, it'll still look better than because you know fucking people our age, you and I, they're balding. Yeah. So we're, yeah, I, dude, I am happy that I even have hair right now because I know people thirty two that are balding. I'm like, shit. I know people twenty eight who are balding. Man. I know people younger that are balding with some receded hairline. So you know, yeah. like that's that's one. Like, hey, we go into a place, hair is not a problem. Height for me, problem. <laughs> That's a problem. Like, I'm going to go into the place and meet. There's, there's a, if I go to Chicago, downtown Chicago, to go and hang out, I'm like, where the fuck do all these tall people come from? Do they just come in a bus? Like, why is everyone at this club six foot two? Yeah. I just look around, I'm like, who the fuck? Why? Is it a Chicago only thing? Because if I go to, like, a pub. Yeah, I, I try not to get wrapped up in height because everyone says that I, I look like a midget, and I'm like, I'm five six, like, and then when people see me in person, they're like, "You're actually taller than I thought." Dude, so, <laughs> so people describing you to me, I thought you were gonna be like people were describing you like being five four. So I'm like, really? I'm like, fucking, that's short. I'm like, cause I'm five six, so right. I'm short. Like, no, we're the same height. Exactly. So then I saw you. I'm like, oh, it's five six. Who the? F-? I'm like. What the hell? They they just lied straight to my face. He's not shorter than than me. Well, so I was I was kind of disappointed. That I lie about my height. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm five six. What do I have to lie about? Yeah, no one lies about being five six. The funny thing is, people always, which is always a great way to like uh, talk to someone. You know, if you're trying to make a first impression on someone, the best thing to do and tell them is like, you're much shorter than I thought you would be. <laughs> best thing to tell someone, Thanks. you know, upon first impression and meeting them, I'm just sitting there like. You want this fucking picture or not, dude? Like, <laughs> you're asking me for a picture, and then you just said that I'm shorter in person. What's... Well, I, I guess that is the nice thing for me is everyone thinks I'm already a midget, so when they see me, they're like, you're taller. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and the only reason why people think I'm tall is because I told someone I was 5'6 on the Instagram comments. My friend, just whatever reason, Evan Glasgow, lied. To him, and just like Angelo's lying to you, I met him at Raw Nationals. He's six foot one. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm like obviously that's a, that's. A, but then the guy believed my friend opposed to me because if I if I could dictate how tall I was throughout my life, that would have saved me a ton of problems, <laughs> right? I know you were a terrific athlete growing up, but shit, like playing baseball, all the coaches are like, well, Fortino, you're just too short. Like, all right, we cool. Used to, we used to lie on our football. 
So people used to put me at 5'8". I was listed at 5'8". I'm like, I'm not 5'8". Like, where did you get that from? I was like, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, you got to do that because at baseball, my coaches were like, you know, you don't have you don't have the ideal, very funny, uh, very funny sentence. You don't have the ideal height for shortstop, which is what's the ideal height? Six foot. About that. I mean, really, it's it's for. I mean, talent kind of surpasses all, and I didn't have that. And I knew that, like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can, there's, there's guys in the major leagues who are 5'8", and they, they can, they can ball. Most of them are in the six-foot range, but it was such an oxymoron. When I was, like, in the seventh grade, a coach told me I was too short to play shortstop. I'm like, I think we could change the name, right? I know it doesn't yeah, right? literally mean that they're short. I just think that in order to stop this confusion... <laughs> We should change the name of shortstop to something else because then they're like, okay, play second base. It's like, okay, uh, okay. that's fine. It's all it has some. It's it's all arm strength. So like, if you're taller, you typically have a longer. Uh, you have a longer throwing motion, and that typically <laughs> y- yields a a is a better shortstop than second baseman. So I get it. I get what they were saying. It's just like the funniest thing of all time telling someone they're too short to play a position called shortstop. All right. Let's get into this word association. I got some good ones, I think. All right, so word association, how it goes. I give you a word. You give me the thoughts that come to your mind. So let's start off relatively easy. USAPL. Underrated. Ooh, in what way? So I would say that given that it is, like, drug tested, I think it's underrated from that perspective because everyone says that everyone in the USAPL is still on drugs. <laughs> so uh, there's like, oh, there's a way around every drug test and this and that. So they try to diminish whatever the top lifters have done. Um, so I, I like at least the USAPL, uh, the pro USAPL people. Yes, I agree that they're, it's not underrated. They truly believe that we're all drug free. Um but there's a tremendous amount of people outside the USAPL that still think that we're trying to game the system and trying to get around drug testing. So yeah. um, that's that's the only reason I say underrated. Oh yeah, and I that's uh, that's a source of a rant for me on a lot of things uh, because that you do you do walk into some jabroni saying that you know it, there's no way that this athlete can be actually when I took a picture with you I got a message uh, they were trying to like. It was it was actually ironic because I said Taylor Atwood's on some goat shit. That's why I said as the captain, they're like, "Ooh, what do you mean by goat shit?" And I was like thinking, "I'm like, yeah, are you?" And then he was like, "Are you implying something?" I'm like, "We literally just got drug tested together." Yeah. <laughs> like, we came out from the drug test, and we're like, now he's getting a drug test taken. I'm like, I was in the room. They definitely drug tested Taylor Atwood. I understand what people right. say, but actually, let me ask you this. How many times have you been drug tested in your career? That's public. Yeah, no. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know a lot. Yeah, a, a shit ton, <laughs> out right? Of me, out of me, in me, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, ballpark range, probably like 20? I would say so. Over yeah. my career, yeah. That's sure. a lot of drug tests. That is so many drug tests. And I got, actually, six is my count, and that's a lot of drug tests. So it's it is crazy when people do question the legitimacy of it when other athletes and other professional sports don't even get close to this, the number of drug tests that people in the USAPL do, like not even close. Yeah. I don't even think Olympians do. 
it's just it's so many drug tests that they get. I mean, I guess I'm speaking out of term because I don't know how much Olympians get, but you know, if you look at all the professional sports, they don't get that. But I don't know. I think it's something you can't ever escape. You have to. I, I like the only time you can change your mind is if you're looking them straight ahead and being like, "You are a dumbass if you think that all of us are trying to cheat the system." Yeah, you're insane. Like you're you're an idiot. But I guess again. Well, it's one of those fan things, right? Powerlifting actually has fans now, so mm-hmm. that's a good thing. A good, a good evolution. How about IPF? I'm gonna go with overrated. Oh, um, just given that, like, when you think about worlds, right? You, you, in your mind, you're thinking like you have the best in the world at your IPF meet, uh, which is a world championship meet. For me, at least. Um, so, what a lot of people don't understand is that's not where, for me, as a USA lifter, that's not where my competition is. I could literally walk in, go five for nine if I wanted to, and, and beat everyone there. Mm-hmm. Um, like with the 838 and a half total, I really don't see anyone else in the world right now coming probably within like. 70 kilos of that so when i go to world championship like i was i was thinking that austin had the best chance to potentially at least stay within that range like maybe like 30 kilos um but like now when you go to a world championship yeah i'm a world champion and i can say that and it's it's a huge honor like don't get me wrong um but to me, like when you think of a world championship, you think you're going up against like the best of the best, whereas you're really not. Like I would say, the USAPL is where most of the talent is, the talent pools for some weight classes, not all. Um, so, like for me, when I think of when we're talking about a world championship IPF, um, I just think it's overrated. Yeah, I think I think some lifters will share that opinion with you, um, and I think that's been brought up more in conversations recently with the USAPL and IPF's, uh, you know, struggle with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you know, and really, like that is my source of argument for raw lifting in particular, uh, because right. when you get into equipped lifting, then it's definitely within the global scale. It definitely mm-hmm. is even, and that's where the USAPL lifters want to be challenged with equipped, but. You know, even with that information, raw lifting is reigning supreme right now. There's more yes. lifters raw. There's more comp. It's, it's, it's exploding in popularity. You have the you know the most popular and really in in certain regards like the most impressive lifters in that raw category. And that's where the USAPL you know kind of coasts uh, as far as mm-hmm. that global uh, standpoint goes. Um, yeah, I, I I would agree with you on that, and it, it becomes this thing of. Who values the relationship more? Does the IPF need the USAPL more? Or does USAPL need the IPF more? In the raw standings, it's it's I would I, I think it would be crazy to say that the IPF doesn't need the USAPL more because you remove America from IPF worlds in the raw category, it's like you know, there's good there's good lifters. I'm not disrespecting you know a lot of the especially the female lifters. The female lifters in particular are very good in the international, but then. You go on the male side, it's like, ugh. All right, there's there's a few battles here and there, but... Yeah, no disrespect to the women either. Um, but, again, we have most of the following coming from the men's side. 
for, from a spectator perspective. Uh, but that's not taken away from any of the women that do have a huge following, um, like Danielle Mello, uh, Amanda Lawrence, Leah uh, from France. So there, there's there's a ton of, of women that do have a strong following, uh, but I would say majority of the spectators want to see the men. Yeah, yeah, I would. I I think I think there will be certain circumstances where I because I think Daniela Mello and Amanda Lawrence is like that big viewer spectator thing that actually, as far as like views go, it was it was actually surpassing men in some time in certain times. But yeah, if you look at the live stream views at Raw Nationals, like well, we were on eight a.m. in the morning. 55,000 views just within those two days. The next mm-hmm. best one was 20,000. Right. So it's like, yeah, you are you are correct in that standpoint. How about Sheffield? Meat of the century. How, how much value do you put in these uh, super meats? I think that you need a catalyst in the sport. And uh, the Arnold has been the closest thing to um, like putting powerlifting on the map in terms of uh, giving the lifters outside of worlds or nationals another venue to showcase their strength, uh, but also feel like it, it's an exhibition, but it's almost like an all-star game Yeah. Um, in a sense. So th- what I felt the Sheffield was going to bring was the, kind of that vibe where you have this all-star cast going to um, the U.K., and what they had in store in terms of how they were going to do interviews, we were going to meet with people. It was going to be this huge ordeal. Um, I just felt like it could have been something tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think that it will be. Uh, I think it's coming back in 2023. Yep. So, like, I, I still think that it will be that, but... I wish it would have happened in, in uh, last year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the entire powerlifting world. I mean, myself was uh, very excited to see the you know the the turnout for that and everything that was going to come from Sheffield. Uh, yeah, twenty twenty three will be there. But also, have you? I know you don't keep up to date with powerlifting as much as uh, some of the other ones. Have you seen developments of these pro meets kind of sp- uh, spring up from the USAPL? Because I think. Um, I always say like powerlifting has its playoffs and World Series or Super Bowl, whatever sports analogy you want to throw out there, but we need a regular season. So these pro meets that are kind of springing up out of Virginia, um, they're giving out some money. They're inviting people. It's very similar to Sheffield where it's just good lift points. It's not based on weight class. So good lift points, male and female. I think in December at the uh, Virginia Pro Open, I believe that's what it's called, $10,000 for first place. Have you have, have you been keeping up to date with those at all? Or? Yeah, and it's it's so. I like I like the fact that there's now money involved because you're going to start getting people coming out of the woodwork uh, because everyone wants to focus on a sport that pays a lot of money. But when you can have another sport like powerlifting um, giving out substantial rewards monetarily that's when you start getting people from other sports into your sport and you'll start to see the freaks of nature really come out mm-hmm. um now what i problem is with these money meets 
and potentially like what you said, like a, an off season or like a regular season, um, you shouldn't be competing a lot during the year that, because that's when injuries start to happen. That's my worry with those things because uh, like I sent an email out of if you place within the top three, you know, you can ask and get that, that invite at Raw Nationals. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that's cool. Two, I'm thinking like December is just not a good time for me to compete. Mm-hmm. Now, I just, like, if I'm doing the Arnold, that's another meet within just too close of a time frame. So I think the schedule has to be worked out where maybe you throw in just one, just one of those meets. And then also, like, people kind of schedule how they qualify for nationals and how they qualify for the Arnold, or for how they, they, they schedule their uh, seasons, quote unquote, if you will, uh, accordingly. So that's that is my worry with those where they have to just find a sweet spot in between all these meets because that's my worry is just I mean unless you're Ashton like he competes every other day, uh, yeah, but he didn't have a great meet, right? Oh well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's one that's a worry that I'm having with him is just uh, is just uh, I, I well he had he had himself a great meet as far as the 105s go, but yeah, I think just based on his performance in November, then right. taking into consideration now it's like. Yeah, you know you're really, and, and it's like you're also not one of like the little guys can handle, uh, handle some volume. Yeah, because our load is like the the weight we're putting on our backs and we're benching isn't as heavy, uh, so we can handle that. Like if you're Ash, like you're moving super heavyweight numbers. Like he, yeah. he's he's a, he's a contender for 120 and 105. So the fact that he's competing so much, I'm like, dude, slow down just a bit. Like if you see a meet, you don't have to do it. You know, if you see Showdown, you could be like, you know what? No, I'll pass. <laughs> I'll pass. I'll pass on this one. I'll uh, and then may- and then you could you could replace Showdown for the one in December. That's a longer break, and I don't know. Like then, like you qualify for Worlds, dude. Like that's this so much competition, and I think it would have to be adjusted. You're you're absolutely right about that. It would have to be adjusted because even for a guy like me, I'm just, so. Right. If I'm injured and I can't train, I'm like oh, I'm gonna be a miserable bastard for uh, for a while, and I want to avoid that. But all right, let's get into some other ones. Austin Perkins, competitor, absolutely. I could see I could see him uh, also kind of sharpening that competitive skill years to come. I'm out, like we said, very excited what he does under Joe Stanek. Mm-hmm. Michael C. Potential. Definitely a big ceiling, high ceiling for Michael C. Yes. Ricky Cho. Underloved. Underloved? <laughs> Underloved? <laughs> Depending on who you ask. He's got uh, a fan base and a half. No, I I, I don't listen. Ricky Cho, he's uh I'll say personality. Okay. There is is the uh, I know there was a little beef between the two. Is that kind of squashed now, or because so much yeah, time has passed? Or? I, I listen. The only reason there was a beef was because, like he he did have a good following, and like I just didn't like my name being associated with the personality that he was trying to portray, which was the villain, and he had a bunch of people. And uh, kind of it, it, it made for a toxic environment, in my opinion. 
mm-hmm. and if he's listening, that's that's how I felt. It was a toxic environment, and I didn't want to be a part of that. And I didn't think that powerlifting needed that. Um, and I I think I know why he was trying to do that. He was trying to build his his brand. He was trying to build uh, his social media following, and that's kind of one way to do it is to be that villain and, and make sure that you go after the top guys and, and try to create a stir. But the, I'm not the one to do that with. Uh, you can do that with anyone else and anyone that will partake in it. But um, I did for a little bit, but then when it started, when I saw it start to get out of hand, that's when I was like, all right, I'm squashing this shit. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. I, I I mean I had him on two white lights for the initial part of it and I was like okay I get what he's trying to do I under I understand you know what's going on here but now I think it it did reach a point where it ended up it ended up hurting him where like there's always ways to do things you know what I mean and I can understand certain reasons why you would do something but then like hindsight it's like maybe like either toned it down a bit or have a little bit more of a friendly thing like you and Austin did or you and Michael C did. But also it's like, it is, it does, it does happen where it turns into like fans, you know, it's like, I don't know. I'm not pissed off so, so much at the, uh, the lifter or pissed off at the fan right now. Like the other people kind of, they don't have any association. I think uh, Flex talked about that with, um, with uh, Russ and Noriega things like nothing personal against Noriega. It was just all these fucking fanboys started talking yeah. shit. It's like, that's what fueled us was the fanboys. Like Noriega wasn't on like, ah, I'm going to beat Russ. I'm going to do this. Like press. He wasn't doing any of that, but people who were fans of Noriega did it. So yeah, I think in the long run, it ended up hurting just a bit. I think, uh, I think now like the transition from that whole villain persona is done, but um, I don't think so. He's well, so he's injured. So he, he has no firepower. Once he's back healthy, I think, and, and hitting the numbers that he was supposed to be hitting, he'll start talking shit to people again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's who he is as a, a person. Um, and again, if he, if he doesn't like what I'm saying, oh, well, it is what it is. That's what I think. Uh, but again, it's, it's cordial between him and I. Uh, I have no bad blood. I call a spade a spade. Um, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, that was, that was a solid word association there. I mean, if you want some clickbait, that's where you, that's where you do it, man. That's, I mean, I mean, shit, you talk about like building up interest Two white lights kind of figure that out too. <laughs> Just saying, but yeah, I could, I, I could understand that. And, uh, I honestly, actually, you know what, fuck it, we're going to move on because it's going to turn into a conversation that it's just, you know, it's about another person. Um, cause I want to get into these other word associations. Uh, Russ Orhey. He's a goat too, man. He really is. He's got so he's he's a goat in his own respect because maybe he didn't do what I did from a performance perspective, but what he's doing for powerlifting, yeah, uh, with his influence is unprecedented. Like yeah. no one else has the influence that Russ has. Yeah, man. Um, I I completely agree. I I think um you might have you might have said something like this before in like videos of past, but you know with someone in you know you're competing with right. Like, for me as an 83, and even told this to Joey Flex, like, I wanted to hate them. Like, I wanted to hate Joey Flex, right? I wanted to, you know, kind of create that. But then after a while, you just have to, like, respect it so much. Mm-hmm. Because, it's like, you have to take, you have to tip your hat, like, dude, it's awesome what you're doing for the sport, and I, I can't even pretend to hate you, right? Because, like, I never did in the first place. I'm not saying that I did, but, you know, when you try to create that, uh, 
competitive juices and trying to make yourself better. Then you see what good they are for the sport. Like, I can't even pretend now. Like, I have to, no. I have to just be a fan at this point. Like, you, you've been doing such such great things for the sport. Um, I agree. He called you a goat as well. So the, uh, the 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 feeling is definitely mutual there. So that's good to see. Jesse Norris. How can I describe Jesse? Um, motivation. Mm-hmm. Motivation. I think that was for most people too. Because what he did in what was it, twenty fourteen? Yeah. Or twenty fifteen, something like that. We still talk about um, it. that's that's ridiculous, dude. That was it's hard to have that almost seven years ago, eight years ago. So, uh, like what he did at that time. Now again, I don't know if that standard at that meet was what it is today, but regardless, like the kid was strong as fuck. Yeah. So you can't you can't take that away from him. He hit the weight. Um, whether the, again the the standard was what it was at a local meet, it is what it is. But he's still out and it, 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 like that had I think for a lot of people yeah yeah I like we said like if we're still talking about a meet and that was done in 2014 2015 it that legacy is ridiculous that you have like it doesn't happen yeah. in powerlifting right I always talk about uh recency bias in powerlifting how people forget right. they have not forgot that like they have not forgot about yeah. Jesse Norris and just the legacy he's had on the USAPL, a lot of other, I, I put John Hack in the same category. Like they still talk mm-hmm. about his meets uh, with him, Gibbs, what he did in 2016. Like you know, 83s are still trying to get like past 813. You know, people right. are starting to get past it, but it was that wasn't done in 2016, and that was looked at as an unbeatable thing. And really, that the, like if you just go back in time, uh, he says relevant, of course, with the crazy fucking things he does now. But the fact that he. Well, what I'll say at that meet, man, because I was there. It was in Colleen, Texas. It was bad attempt selections on Brett Gibbs' part. So I think he could have beat Hack pretty handedly had he approached his attempt selections mm-hmm. better. Because uh, he had J.P. Couchy um, at the time helping him with attempt selection. And J.P., I love the guy, but I don't think he had as much experience as Matt Gary. Right. Yeah. Uh, and again, Matt Gary is going nine for nine. Yeah. And he's going to put pressure on you, and that's what they did. And uh, when it came down, like it got Brett all out of whack in terms of what he had to hit uh, on his bench and deadlift. So um, I, I think that again, Brett Gibbs is underrated from that perspective. Um, I, I still think once he gets healthy, he'll be able to come back, but. Yeah, what what John Hack did at that meet was was a, a lot had to do with with get Matt Gary too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he's he he does not miss. He's Matt Gary for a reason. That's the reason why everyone yeah. knows him. I mean, I've I've only been in the USAPL for a short while. Uh, Twenty nineteen was my first meet in the USAPL, and I already know the name Matt Gary. Like that's how yeah. valuable it is, and also with the recency bias with uh, Brett Gibbs too. Like he hasn't competed for a while and now. People are not even right. acknowledging him at eighty three. It's like oh, nope. that guy, that guy was dude, the dude to beat for Brett. a long time. Yeah, I got to ask you this question. It's not necessarily a word association, but this was just a funny thing that happened on Two White Lights. Would you rather be compared to Tom Brady or Michael Jordan? Damn, they're both goats, man. 
I know, but like I, <laughs> I would honestly, I'm gonna go with uh, with Tom Brady. Why is that? Because he did it with two teams. Okay. He he proved that he didn't need uh, New England. New England needed him. Um, and, and we don't know if if Jordan needed or didn't need Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Um, we just know that he didn't do what he did with Chicago at, at any other team. Now he was still Jordan. Yeah. Um, but he didn't take another team to a championship or win. Yeah. So, um, in terms of like, and he's still doing it at a high level at 40 something years old, like that's unheard of in the NFL. So, yeah, all right. I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna stick with my man Tom. Yeah, okay. So he's handsome I mean, as fuck, man. Like, come on, he's got a banging wife. <laughs> got a he's he, he's living the dream, dude. Yeah, well, it was a funny thing that I put po- because I posted on Two White Lights and made the quote on the recap show, you know, just to kind of create a little bit of interest there. And I was talking to uh, about you, but then it's like, man, comparing the guy to Tom Brady, it's like I think a step up is Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan dominated a league for a well, decade. You're biased, of course, but <laughs> but hold on, are we are we sitting here but saying like that Michael Jordan wasn't the most dominant athlete within a sport, like period wise, in a team sports setting? So I, I think that again, he it was both, but I still think that Brady has a step up on him in the dominance perspective. Ooh, do I, I think that do I think that Jordan had more influence? Hell yeah, like he was doing things. Like, think about the influence that he was able to create um, without social media. Like, yeah. that, that, it was just unheard of at the time. So, I just feel that Michael Jordan had had that going for him, and he was he he was like he was he's that missing link between old school and new school because people still try to be Michael Jordan today. Yeah. And he he created this new era of basketball, and not saying like no one needed to create a new era within football. Like offenses changed, but Brady still had his has his like his offense that he runs uh, effectively. But I still think that like from an influence perspective, Michael Jordan way more influential than uh, Tom Brady. But in terms of dominance. It's tough, man, because you, you say, and we can have this debate all day. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what, well, that's what it turned into on Two White Lights, which was funny. It was just a debate between Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. No one even acknowledged you. <laughs> like, everyone was just like, yeah, fuck that. We're, we're talking about Tom Brady, and I stayed out of it. I, well, I didn't stay out of it completely because I just had to throw in, like, one in there. Because I'm obviously a, a big – like, what Tom Brady has done is ridiculous. Like, since I've been in the third grade, Tom Brady has been – winning Super Bowls. And right. it's crazy. Like, since... I'm Actually, the very first Super Bowl that I watched clearly, and I remember the play, the plays of it, was 2001, where he won his first one. And then since, it's like, okay, it's been the same thing. It's been Tom Brady, me watching with my nephews in the Super Bowl. Like, and they were my age when I watched my, his first one. But the only thing, it's like, with Michael Jordan, he was just always the best player in the league. From when he started... And to pretty much when he, I mean, both retirements that he had, he was the best player within the league. And then when he got into a situation, 
he just won. Like there wasn't, he was six and zero in the finals, won the finals MVP every single time. Best but guy then on we the can court. Get, we could get into the argument of what is harder, winning an NFL championship or NBA championship. Oh well, I would I would say, well, that's why that's what people are telling me. It's like it's a very I'm like yeah, that's what sports debates are. People they're hard to prove. That's why that makes yeah, that's you, what makes sports debates great. Subjective, yeah, right. it's so different. But like with well, the only argument with Tom Brady, I'm like, well, he lost to Nick Foles. Right. Like, I just watch. I watch Nick Foles play NFL, football for right? a year. It was, it was hard to watch. Of, that's the beauty of the NFL. Is you really, it's a, it's a, it's a coin toss. You yeah. really don't know. Like any, any, uh, the worst team considered in in the NFL could beat the best team that's considered in the NFL. Yeah. Like you don't know in basketball. There's no one that's gonna fucking beat LA right now. Uh, the the fucking worst basketball team. Yeah. Like that's there's no way that's, that's a good gonna point. happen. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, we have we have seen a little bit of parity. Actually, it's kind of crazy. We've seen a lot of parity this year with the NBA Finals. But yeah, I don't know. I always, I get maybe it is a biased thing now because I'm look I'm looking at Michael Jordan just like as this mo- the dominant is like this most dominant athlete in the period. Because also, just comparing it, we, I think we both can agree Tom Brady wasn't the best football player every single year. No, he was no, one of the best, of course. He wasn't. Yeah, no. but he was. He's he's like the best at his job, right? He's the best at doing his job and knowing his role doing what he needs to do. But the reason why I wanted to compare Michael Jordan to you is because you're winning championships, if you count it, but also you're the best guy. You know what I mean? You're the best lifter out of all of them. Where, like... Um, Listen, I'm not taking any... Like, no, 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 for sure. This is, just a, this is, no, this is just a debate right now. This we is just can like, move on. We can move on. Yeah, we can move. Well, that was pretty much where we're closing on it. But, uh, yeah, I... Like, that was... It was just funny to see the Two White Lights comments turn into a Tom Brady and Michael Jordan... <laughs> Debate. I'm like, and then you didn't, you didn't give me your thoughts on it. I was like, wonder if he's like, what the fuck? Like, I want to be Tom Brady, not Michael Jordan. What's Angela saying here? <laughs> Which I, I obviously, like I, 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 you're cool with either. Point. Yeah, I'll All take right. Well, you know what, man? That's gonna do it. We've been talking close to two hours. Thank you for coming on Two White Lights. This is a fantastic time. Hopefully, I have you on again sometime. Um, and yeah, just thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. Guests to be determined, but we have a lot of interviews lined up, so it's going to be a good one. Peace.